0: like to say she was not one to mince words. She might add that she was always one to call a spade a spade, and that what more people needed was simply to pull their socks up and get on with it. She was saying these things now, calling on all the resources in her cliché line-up, in fact, to a captive audience of approximately thirty-five women who, to a woman, were wishing themselves elsewhere than in the village hall— sitting on orange molded plastic seats that might have been rejects from an ergonomic study on an otherwise peaceful Saturday night in September. Reports of members present and apologies for absence received, Miss Pitchford had a head cold, had already been swiftly recorded. The women had stood to sing the traditional Jerusalem, if at a somewhat faster tempo than was customary. Still, they had reached this night a deep throaty trill on Bring Me My Chariot of Fire, for so many a favorite line, unifying the straying or hesitant warblers into a mighty whole, before the effort collapsed again at I Will Not Cease from Mental Fight. Finally, reports from the Flower Show and Guy Fawkes committees had been rushed through in unseemly haste, lest they detract from the main event. Wonder batten Smythe's addressed to the troops. The men of the village, upholding a time-honored tradition in the division of labor, were of course safely ensconced among the gleaming brass and cheery glow of the nearby Hidden Fox pub. "'I am, as you know, not one to mince words, and you can always count on me to call a spade a spade,' Wanda reminded them, her voice filling the room like a sonic gun. "'The preparations for the annual harvest fair are in an absolute shambles,' We have all got to start pulling our socks up. Calling on her knowledge of public speaking, newly refreshed by a rereading of the 1983 classic Grabbing Your Audience by the Throat, Tips and Tricks for the Successful Orator, Wonder paused, her unblinking gaze panning the crowd, gathering eyeballs like so many marbles into her rhetorical basket. A shambles, she repeated, a doomsday prophetess, It's an absolute disgrace. Lily Iverson, rightly assuming part of this condemnation to be aimed starkly at her small head, began a stuttering apology, but in such a small voice as to be easily drowned out by Wanda's stentorian tones. It was a bullying technique nicely honed during Wanda's time in the trenches of the parish council meetings, where skirmishes over the proposed redesign of the coat of arms had become the stuff of legend. The name Wanda Batten Smythe, indeed, was often invoked by young parents in warnings aimed at keeping their offspring in line, for she had become for many an embodiment of fear, a veritable bogey woman. Wanda now stood before the group, marshalling her resources for further onslaught, her broad, still handsome face framed by a starchy collar over a dark summer wool dress that Cotton Mather would have approved. Her hair was a helmet of hardened curls, like rows of teeny brown snakes highlighted and poised to strike, living testament to the efficacy of final net, and her bosom was tightly bound in some unmoving modern wonder fabric that rendered her body rigid and unbowing, much like her mind. The grey eyes again scanned her audience like an advanced scout awaiting the approach of enemy forces. Altogether, she looked, as always, more like a woman gearing up for battle than the leader of a group of well-intentioned, if somewhat loopy, volunteers. Much of her life with her husband, the Major, as well as her own service in the Women's Royal Army Corps, had rubbed off. Wanda, I don't think—began Susanna Winship, the willowy blonde sister of the local doctor, coming to the defense of Lily, whose lower lip had begun to tremble around her adult braces— Wrapped in a fluffy white mohair dress of her own design, Lily owned a local yarn and knitting business. Her hair clipped short around protuberant ears. She resembled a chihuahua puppy abandoned in a snowdrift. Wanda pounced. You have not asked to be recognized, nor have you been given permission to speak. Permission to speak? Susanna spluttered, looking round her. Did anyone else find Wanda ridiculous? They did, but no one had the courage to indicate so by word or deed, at least not to Wanda's face. Susanna was new to the village. She'd learn. Elka Garth, a grandmotherly woman in her fifties who owned the village bakery slash tea room, did exhale a soft little sigh, adjusting her thick glasses and wishing the Reverend Max Tudor would...